What's up, people? Welcome to a new episode of Wrestle Update, right here on the Five Star Network and also CageMatch.net. Uh, I am here, and we are talking through everything going on. We're right on the heels of Collision, uh, which obviously you may have heard me talk about already. I, I may tack that on at the end. But for now, we have everything else going on this week of wrestling, which is a lot. And since Scott is still on vacation it looks like he'll be back next week. No promises, but it looks like he will be good to go. Uh, this week, I did get a special guest on, and I'd like to welcome the incomparable Ethan Black coming on to Russell Update. How are you, Ethan? Good. How are yourself, brother? Oh, I feel fantastic. Uh, it's something we've been talking about. Uh, I tried to get you on a couple of weeks ago, but you were, uh, you know, you're a busy person. You know, you, you can't just drop everything for this wrestling game. Uh, you know, but I'm glad I finally got you locked down even for this time period. So it's, it's really yes. great to have you on. We really appreciate it. Oh, well, I appreciate it, brother. I know me and you started talking on Twitter a couple months ago, and we've, we've been trying to do stuff. The forbidden podcasting. <laughs> uh, yes, the, the true forbidden door is opened. Uh, but yeah, you're all over the place. Uh, we'll talk about that at the end of stuff. I, I'll give you a shine at the end. But this week, you know, I wanted to talk about things because it's a big week. Everybody knows. With AEW, and I'm going to do a solo show talking about Collision. Uh, you know, when that, after that airs, right now we're recording it. We're recording this part the morning of. Uh, so, just in general, right now with AEW, I mean, there's been so much going on this week. I know everybody. The thing that everybody wants to know about and everyone wants to hear about is the Chick Magnet himself. He has been. I, this is something that he's not a stranger to. I know all of our listeners know this. He is not a stranger to controversy, and he started it again with his Sports Illustrated interview he did with Mark Ramondi. Uh, I don't know how uh, many sports fans we have listening, but he's like a pretty – he's a name in the sports world. You know, he's not some nobody that he interviewed. And obviously, you wouldn't expect Star Punk's caliber to, to talk to just anybody. But he did this interview – the thing is, the drama surrounding it was so much bigger than the actual interview itself in a lot of ways, more so that he said a bunch of stuff that we had already heard reported and things like that already said. But the one thing it did, and this is something I always say with Punk, you say what you want about this guy, but there is one thing that he is well known for is that he is always the topic of conversation one way or the other. And leading into Collision, a show really built around him. You see all the commercials on TV. He is the man front and center in all of them. But he set up this Collision. We have the six-man main event, and again, I'll talk about that in more depth later by myself. But, Ethan, i got to throw it to you here. What do you think about these antics coming on here, whether it's the media, CM Punk? How do you think... AEW is benefiting or not benefiting from all of this heading into collision. Has it affected your excitement level again? What's your viewpoint on all of this? <sighs> uh, That's I mean, an answer it, in and of itself. Right there. <laughs> no, I mean, I do like, I mean, I'm glad he actually uh, finally apologized for the brawl out. I mean, I don't want to get back into that shit. But <laughs> I'm I heard about so much, I'm just tired. But, I mean, I'm glad he apologized and stuff. I mean, the excitement, like, I still love AEW, don't matter the drama and stuff, but that's just my opinion. But uh, Yeah, yeah, and I understand where you're coming from on that. Do you think it's affected Collision anyway? Because there's a lot to just talk about ratings, the ticket sales going through the show with Punk. Uh, do you think that's affected anything negatively or positively? I don't think so, to be honest with you. You think it's just internet chatter, more more or less? I, I think, yeah. I mean, 
I love being a wrestling fan, but sometimes wrestling fans just take it too far. Ah, you know, and I, I definitely can understand that feeling as well. I mean, I know Scott is a huge CM Punk fan. Yeah, uh, there, and he he would definitely I'm to get heat with Scott. <laughs> no, you're, no, you're, you're not getting not heat sure. at all. I, I feel I feel I'm like joking, you, Scott. disclaimer. <laughs> I feel, I feel like you're probably more on his side, uh, like more than anything with Punk uh, here. The Punk and the Elite drama. I mean, it's been this. In a lot of ways, here's my big point of view on this, okay? And I, you can say if you agree or disagree or not. <laughs> the, if you look at that interview he did, the one thing that was very pertinent that he said, and it's worth mentioning to all the fans out there, he basically alluded to the fact that <laughs> the stuff he's doing is what everybody's talking about. It's not the stuff on the shows themselves that people are so interested in, because I think ideally, <laughs> yes, he did apologize to Tony Khan himself, but ideally, you would want the storylines to be what everybody's talking about, not backstage drama all the time. And I know that's juicy. I know it's human nature in a lot of ways. But I think if there is one negative thing, it's really shined a light on how a lot of their stories, outside of one, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, uh, there is definitely one story that I think has got that level of emotional attachment, emotional excitement from the fans. But a lot of these stories, you know, when you look at the main events and stuff, I mean, look, it was a big talking point in Double or Nothing. Uh, you saw the show. You saw the build up to the show. Uh, a lot of people were really down on the title match, you know, the, the four pillars type of deal. And they're not talking about these things the same way they're talking about punk. And I think if anything else, that could be a message to Tony Khan and all the people running this ship that why is it that this punk drama is still being talked about all of these months later something he even alludes to maybe not being that big of a deal something everybody seems to want to move on from and yet it's still the thing we're talking about hanging his debut of this huge new show yeah i mean i agree <coughs> excuse me sorry i agree with you but it's just like um like you said like when it brought that was September and then we're still talking about this and then I mean Small Joe talked about it about DOE and CM Punk not being in the same room. I mean he basically told him to basically grown up uh, grow up and basically get along, which I totally agree with Small Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that quote. That was the great thing about that quote is that there's no d- doubting about the autistic authenticity of that, because it's exactly what you would expect Samoa Joe to say about this situation, pretty much. Yes, that's, uh, I mean, Samoa Joe, I know he's got a match with Punk on Collision, but, I mean... Yeah, the, the six-man tag. Like I said, I'll, I'll cover that myself after the show ends and stuff, so everybody can... I'll, I'll kind of tack that onto the show, so... <laughs> you get, like, a double episode, almost, uh, to, to a one here. Um, but, yeah, you know, overall, though, besides all of that drama, we head into this much-talked-about Collision debut... Do you have a real vibe? Like you said, you're a fan of AEW. You're a True Blue fan, and uh, I am as well, obviously. We're doing this whole show about it, uh, you know, overall. Do you have a feeling of – are you excited about the potential of another AEW show? Because we've seen Rampage, how that started. Punk, that was kind of his show for a little while, too, until it wasn't. And obviously now with Rampage, I actually like Rampage. I I, I watched a match last night, Bandito and Takeshita, and thought it was a great match. Occasionally, yes. they'll, you know, they'll have great matches on there. The show a few weeks ago, I mentioned it on this show, with all the titles, I thought it was such a cool experience. But unfortunately, the importance of Rampage has gone way down to the fans. Is there any way that you think they, they can prevent that from happening with Collision? Don't book it like Dirk. 
<laughs> good, good advice. <laughs> right, right. Um, but the Rampage, like Rampage, like the Kesha and Bandito world, um, the opening trios match between Empire, just talk about Rampage for a quick sec, and, yeah. uh, uh, Chaos world, um, and the Champions Friday. You know what's funny about that? Me and my friends are talking about, it, and they're like, how is that Rampage better than most bells, Battle of the Belts? <laughs> well, yeah, that's another thing, because remember when they started out, Battle of the Belts was kind of be like, that's obviously a reference to all our old school fans out there for WCW Clash of the Champions, like Clash of Champions and then Battle of the Belts. So it's kind of like one and two. But then it just, for whatever reason, it was kind of like, that again, it's another thing like Rampage. It started off really important and then it slid down. I think that's another thing people are worried about this collision. I think when you look at those ticket sales and stuff, that's, I think that actually is something more worth monitoring than any of this punk drama or anything like that. I think that a lot of people are worried that this is going to be another experiment that kind of starts off cool and then quickly, you know, goes down for whatever reason. Oh yeah, I agree. It's, I feel like, I remember, like, with Rampage, like, it kind of was a CM Punk show, quote-unquote. And then, I don't know, like, I found, like, your summary, like, I love Eddie Pro Wrestling. I mean, Dale, you follow me, you see my yeah. stuff. Um, like, I find some Rampages are, like, really, really good. And then there's some are, like, kind of in the middle. And then there's some of them, like, skip. Just skip the show. But, and I think... Like, yeah. I think they have to make sure that doesn't happen with Collision, though. Like, they need to make Collision as big as Dynamite, if not bigger, like, every week. And we've seen, I mean, they've got Elton John. What do you think of Elton John as the interesting? That's the thing we need to know most right now, Ethan. I do, I do. I'm not, like, I'm not the biggest Elton John fan. I mean, I like some, some, but I'm like, I'm yeah. not, like, a hardcore fan, quote-unquote. I kind of, hot take, I kind of like the Nickelback version a little bit better. Okay, hey, this is a Canadian talking right now. That, that's a Canadian take you just brought out there. <laughs> yeah. All the Canadian people, all the Nickelback listeners for you. Some Elton hey. people, hey, boo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, my ex-fiance, that, that was her favorite band, so I have a lot of experience with Nickelback. Um, Elton John's more popular with, like, my grandma and stuff, to be honest. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, overall, but not, nothing against him. Uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm not an Elton John hater. He's a legend in this game. Yeah, but, no, I'm not either. I'm just like, I'm not, yeah, I, I, I like a few, like the Saturday Night like I do like that song. I just yeah. like the Nickelback one of Tiny Bit, and that's rare because most covers are kind of crappy. Yeah. That's unless they're, cool. yeah, unless they're anime theme song covers. That's, those are the only ones that are good on, on YouTube. But no, yeah. seriously though, um, like, I don't know if it really fits as a wrestling theme song, <laughs> to be honest. No, like, if they did the Nickelback version, okay, like, that, because, like, I mean, Rob did Nickelback years ago and stuff, but, yeah, it's yeah. like, because I remember when, because I remember leading up to Collision, I was like, wonder who they're going to do for commentary team, like, what's the theme song, and please, DK, can you please not make the stage like Dynamite, make it different, if you oh, want please. Collision to stay out, make the staging different, make, like, do, like, you know what, just go full WCW, just, don't get cis and assist. <laughs> and that's true. Yes. There may be legal issues with that. But no, I totally agree. That's one of the things that made WCW so cool back in the day was you had your special stages and things like that. And like you said, it's like they've went, okay, we're kind of doing this WCW. Or excuse me, we're doing this like mini WWE is our stage now. Like we have the red, white, and blue. We've got the lasers. I miss the old aesthetic for Dynamite in general instead of the new 
uh, format change. I mean, it's not like it's bad or anything. It's just, I think it's too much like WWE. I wish that they would do something a little bit more yeah. unique. And they started, remember, if you look at the logo, I mean, this is completely uh callback to Nitro. <laughs> you know, like the, the Collision logo uh, with the red and yellow TNT logo. Yes, yeah, I was about to say. And then, um, like, when they show the graphics, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Raw from, like, 2013 and into 14, too, as well. Like, early 2014. Like, with the LED lights and, like, yeah. uh, like the nameplates, I guess, for, like, for Collision. But, yeah, when I first seen the Collision logo, I'm like, everybody's like, WCW. <laughs> the, the tonight is the night era of Raw. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was right after Nickelback, wasn't it? Yes. Like they, yeah, they like changed a year it. after or some or a couple months. I mean, Raw changed their theme songs like every six, eight months, it, so I can't keep track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there's been no long term theme, and that, that's another thing that I hope that he get to. And maybe that's what this Elton John thing can be. Although I think it is kind of funny. I saw people mentioning this too. I do have to mention this as well. <laughs> like, whatever the rights fees for this has to be really big and you can get elton john but you can't get final countdown from brian you, you gotta you gotta pay up tony give us final countdown for a major match maybe coming up we're gonna talk about his uh, big match that he has coming up too but in general i just think do you think that the, because tony also alluded to this he basically said there is not going to be a hard brand split it's more out of necessity, and people can. He will use people on different shows without hesitation or anything. The cool kids, the cool, and uh, I, I see people joke. They're like the cool kids, and all the bad kids go to detention, go to collision. <laughs> well, we know that Miro is a good kid, so we we, we need him on we all the finally shows. Finally, get I get to hear the trombones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Listen, God's champion needs to be on all the shows. Those are the rules here, Tony Khan, or you will be in big trouble on your shows. But yeah, they showed Andrade as a big person in the opening collision. Uh, you know, that's going to be a big person that's been, uh, I guess, persona non grata for a while. Uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with the France split or anything, but I just hope that they can keep things important. Uh, they set things up. Do you have any expectations, uh, you know, just to bring up Punk you know, real quick? Now that we have the six-man tag, because there's, there's been rumors flying all around, I also want to shout out uh, my friend John Pollock and Brandon Thurston on Post Wrestling. They did yes. an interview with Tony Khan earlier this week, which I, I wasn't jealous of them of having to interview him actually for, but obviously that's a huge get. And, you know, Tony's doing his thing with whatever legal reasons he has or just being uh, secretive for whatever reason. But basically, on that interview, if you listen to the one thing, one of the few things he actually did come clean with, was that he really hyped up Punk and Samoa Joe as a rivalry. A lot of the fans have talked about Punk and Switchblade Jay White as a rivalry. Obviously, they're both in this match. There's a lot of different ideas people have thrown out. Where do you think they should go with Punk with his first big... He is now back in AEW. Oh, on the Dynamite, too, they played a hype video for him, and he basically... To be honest, although Tony Khan was tight-lipped in the interview on the show, he more or less said, hey, I've got stuff on my chest. i got something to say tune in to watch it. So they, they totally teased like, he's going to talk about Omega and, and the Bucks pretty much on there. So they've done a lot of teases. Where do you think they should go for his first rivalry now that he's back at AEW? Oh, there's so many good talents. Um, Alright, here's what I'm going to do, Dylan. I'm going to give you three from each division. Okay. Alright. Alright, hold on. Alright, for sing, I'll give two each. So for singles, I can see Joe. 
Um, hmm. Who's the sec? You know what, Jay White? Let's do the two rumor ones that they've been talking about. Yeah. Um, tag. I I wouldn't mind seeing FTR. I know they're good friends with Punk. I could I could see them having a tag match. Honestly, like FTR versus Punk and whoever they want to TK wants to throw Punk with. And for trios, I could see House of Black versus Punk and FTR. I actually think that would be kind of a cool thing uh, because you could easily set up, obviously, right now with the House Rules gimmick with House of Black. Putting them in a trio situation, I think, is a great thing. And that's I think that there's money to be made because, obviously, everybody says, oh, that's the big money match, Punk and FTR versus the Bucks and Omega, or just Omega versus Punk as well. But I think there's money to be made just to keep that thread hanging. If they're the trio champions – Everyone is naturally going to presume, well, eventually the Elite are going to get a title shot for the Trios titles. I think if you could drag a Trios title reign out from Punk and FTR, you could get people talking, get people emotionally invested for doing that. So I actually love that idea. Um, Why did Joe – I think it's going to be interesting because Joe and Punk, obviously friends from the past, Ring of Honor. They had a legendary series 20 years ago. Uh but now it's a different version of these two guys. They're a lot older, a lot more broken down. I think Samoa Joe personally is a fantastic promo, like a, a talker, uh, one of the absolute best in the company. Obviously, Punk is known for that as well. In the ring, I think Joe, he is at his best when he has a small guy that he can beat the hell out of, like a Darby Allen. You know, that, that's where I think he is at best. It'd be the monster that gets toppled at the end. Uh, Switchblade, he's definitely been in this Ricky Starks feud. They kind of teased the tag team run with him and Juice versus FTR as well. Uh, so you can kind of see that playing off as well. Uh, so I, I, I get the idea behind this. I do think personally, though, uh, one criticism I have, and again, we'll talk about this a little bit, is I think that they probably, uh, you know, should have had a singles match for Punk or something, or even if not for Punk, I think they could have done the MJF and Cole match on Collision, and that could have been a big drawing point because, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a second. Uh, I mean, obviously, that was a huge match instead of a, a huge rivalry for them. But overall, Collision, I'm pretty excited for it. I think it's cool to get another major league show. I think some of the criticisms have been overblown, especially about the time slot. Uh, you know, or anything like that. I, I really don't see that being a huge factor. I think they're going to do good on Saturdays, relatively speaking. And I definitely think for the live events, they're going to have something to build upon. And I think that's great. But we're excited. None of the drama. It got people talking. We'll see if it pays off in the ratings and all of that. But overall at AEW2, another thing I wanted to bring up, I just alluded to it a second ago. Let's, let's go ahead and get talking about this right now because this was a great match. Uh, MJF and Adam Cole, they had a title eliminator match on Dynamite here. Dynamite was from uh, DC. And, man, time limit draw. This has an 8.70 rating on cage match, 321 votes. Meltzer went crazy for it. Uh, four, and a, four and a quarter stars for this and four and a half for the main event. I mean, this match with Cole and MJF, I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but this is one of the best Cole matches I've seen in years. You know, I think that he was fantastic here. Great baby face. And I didn't do a show last week, but I would I didn't like their promo. Did you see their promo they had with each other last week where they went back and forth? I love the promo. It's that's what I I seen some people complain about like the Finch part. I, 
I, to me, the part was like, oh, you're on steroids. <laughs> and I thought that was, like, very funny. But I, I don't know if I like that idea of going with, hey, your world champion's on steroids. And I, I feel like I'm on an island here because when he said that, I thought that was so goofy. But then you look at him because here's the thing. I don't think of MJF as, like, a body guy. You know, like, I, I think of now. Yeah, like, you know, if he said that to Roosh, like, super muscled up and jacked, Okay, that is that is at least logical. But about MJF, it just like made you it made you look even worse and the champion look worse. Right. But I, I I wasn't a big fan of that. But then this match happened and I was like, holy cow, this is like way better than I thought it was. Uh, I thought that these guys were so great uh, in this match. MJF deserves a lot of credit. And one thing that I liked about this match too, I'll give you a chance to talk on it in a second, Ethan. But one thing I wanted to bring up was uh, that. There was a lot of thought put into this match. Obviously, with the Eddie spot, that they subverted a lot of tropes here to do something unique and new and cool. And I thought that these guys did a phenomenal job here to have a great match. Uh, what, what did you think, Ethan, of, of all this? Oh, the match. I could, I, I'm agree with you, Dylan. This is probably one of his best matches in AEW in a while. Uh, I didn't even think about the time on the draw, honestly. I know Justin, I think he only yeah, great the time once. I think he said 10 minutes, and then I was like, oh, that was 10 minutes already. And they're like, I like how Cole hit the boom for the second or third time, and then the referee just hit the three, and then they're like, ding, ding. Honestly, I thought MJF was going to pay somebody off. I, I thought the same thing. I was just like you. I was thinking, oh, is there some kind of, like, Montreal screwjob angle they're trying to run here to, to, to ruin things? But, yeah. And then I was like, and then Jess was like, oh, the match is over. I'm like, that was 30 minutes? Like, it just flew, right? Oh, totally agree. Like, I, I wasn't feeling I was ready for these, this match to continue if they needed to. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. And, <laughs> and, and they teased that afterwards with Cole saying that, and I love that. I just love that he – the way he said it was so good. It wasn't, like, overexcited because a lot of times wrestlers would get to yeller mode, you know, like, much like your dog in the background there. Hey, we got a little Adam Cole in the background right now. But, no, he actually did the opposite, though. Where he was like very like subdued about it, he was like five more minutes, and it was so good how he did it instead of just yelling and ranting and raving. And then MGF just slowly slinked out of the ring like the snake that his character is. I thought it was great. I'm leaving. You know, you're not getting five minutes. But because when I read when I saw the announce, like they announced match last week for like this week, I was like, oh, way too early. Like I thought their TK was kind of booking something into a corner. It's like. I don't want MJF being pinned on TV. I don't like that. I, do I want to tell you he should be pinned? Kind of like Roman is losing, like when he was title. And also calls that calls strong as well. So, um, I think it's way too early for Cole to lose anyway. So it's like, well, do you do a double count out? Do you do a DQ? Even though I'm not a big fan of those, but in this case, I could make an exception. Uh, then I, I didn't even think about the time of the draw, to be perfectly honest. I know he said it once when he came down the ring, but the DCE crowd was so loud. Not, not a bad thing. Uh, like they were on fire the whole night, and then there's just like, and then I heard just like 10 minutes, I was like, oh, okay, then I think this, I thought he said 60 minutes, I'm like, was that an hour? And then they're like, no, it was 30, I'm like, oh. Eh, it was still good. I gave it, honestly, I agree with the cage match, but if I, for my rating, I give it 10 out of 10, honestly. Uh, 10 out of 10. I mean, if you look at it though, I think this was a 10 out of 10 in terms of 
okay, this accomplished like this couldn't have been a better setup for the title match because now this feud went from something that you know when it first happened, I was kind of like I remember saying on the show that I think Cole and Strong would be better as a team than Cole as a singles wrestler. I mean, he just got back. I mean, the pay-per-view match was universally panned with Cole oh. and Jericho. Yeah, like, no, nobody liked that. You know, we're going back to the Fallout New Vegas days. No one liked that. But now you see this match. And it's like, okay, this is Adam, this is Adam Cole, baby. As he says, to quote the man himself, this is a guy who has been a main eventer. And I haven't always been a big fan of his. I thought his promo when he came back, I still stand by this. I think him as a babyface was – he is doing great work. It feels like now after this, I wasn't that excited for it. But after this match, I'm thinking, man, this is a hot feud. You've got a contender. You can stretch this out. I like the way they did it with the draw. I like the way that he slinked away because it's it's heelish but not completely outrageous that he would say, you had your chance. You know, you 30 minutes, you couldn't beat me. No more for you. And they can draw this out with Forbidden Door coming up, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, he has the opportunity to just say, hey, screw this. I'm done with Cole, <laughs> you know. And, but that's obviously going to lead to a rematch down the line. I think they could take this all the way to your all-in, maybe even all-out. Uh, you know, I think that he's the kind of guy that you could stretch it to a major match that people really believe that, hey, maybe he could be the one to, to dethrone him. I think this match was that good. Yeah, I think uh, we have to get either a – all in or all out. Well, those two. Do, yeah. You know what? Do an army match, girl. Let's just make another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why not? I mean, yeah. yeah, run it back, baby. We don't need uh, all, all of this nonsense right here. Just uh, get it done. Bring it back in. Uh, I, I'm definitely down for that for sure. But, yeah, great match overall. A great way to build a major story. I think it was needed because we saw the – like, they did a deal with Sammy Guevara later on this show, and Darby was like, the fans are finally starting to love you again. And it was like the fans were super mixed on him, though. I mean, Sammy did a great job at the pay-per-view, and I think he's he did pretty decent promos as well. It's just, unfortunately, they had some really weird stuff going on with him and his booking and his life. Yeah. Uh, but, but uh, you know, he's – but basically what I'm saying is the title didn't have a strong – last few months, you know, the the build-up to the title has not been great. And I think now with this, you have a chance to do some really special things and get this title up to where it needs to be. I think that's, again, people always bring up the stuff with the punk and the drama. I think at some point we got to start pointing the finger at the champion of the show who gets a lot of TV time and hasn't exactly been delivering A-plus material lately with his title feuds. I think with this, though, it showed you the upside that these two have together. So, yeah, I think we, uh, you know, again, bringing back the Fallout New Vegas, everyone liked that. <laughs> like this match, yes. pretty much. Yes. Um, the other main thing on the show was, I mean, the main event match, Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite, this had uh, an almost as good as rating as the, the singles match, the 8.20 from the inmates. Uh, not quite as high, but still really strong. I mean, anything over eight, that's a great match. Uh, Meltzer actually even gave it a little higher. He gave it four and a half stars for this main event. Which is just a reckless kind of crazy match that he he would enjoy, so I, I like that. Um, this was a great match, obviously, no doubt about that. Um, did you have any thoughts on the match itself, like just these six guys going at it? I oh, this match. I mean, I wouldn't say match of the year. I give it like a seven out of ten. My eyes on do star rings, not 
I just find them kind of overrated. So basically, my, what I do is if I, I'll just give you a quick. Uh, what is your so, star ratings on star ratings? <laughs> the star rating. So mine would be seven out, of t- seven out of ten. <laughs> so uh, so basically, what I do is um, if it gets an eight or higher, like. Uh, it goes on match of the year, but like seven, it doesn't mean like it was bad or like horrible or nothing. It was really good. I, I wouldn't say it was a four star match of the year, but it was pretty yeah. fun made of it. I mean, it was like 12 minutes, I think. Something like that. 12, 13 minutes. Yeah, it's 12, 12 minutes. It's a cage match claims it's 11.58, so even a little less. But um, to me, this match was just fun. Like the, the singles match was a great match. Lots of great storytelling, psychological, good work, and all that stuff. This wasn't really like that. It was more like, hey, this is six guys car wrecking, and we're and we're gonna have a lot of fun for this ten minutes or whatever. Uh, and the fans were into it. Obviously, all these characters are over. That helps too. But what I really wanted to talk about that because the match to me is secondary to the aftermath of it. That was a. a a 10 out of 10 aftermath to me because I absolutely love this ending to the show. And basically to explain it out, if you guys didn't see it, uh, cage match always does the match ratings and not necessarily angles, but they basically, they ended up winning uh, where they all, all singled out Yuta, hit the buckshot lariat, got the win for the elite. And then they beat down the elite BCC ran in, but then suddenly Eddie Kingston shows up, uh, they tell multiple stories just in this part alone. He attacks everybody, but then suddenly him and Moxley are back-to-back, and they turn around and face each other. The Bucks attack Moxley, but Kingston pulls him off. He sides with Moxley, and then Moxley shoves him, and they argue with each other. It's like they're going back between friends and enemies. And then Takeshita jumps in, cleans house, and he's in the ring. And i got to say this, because I was totally skeptical of Takeshita as a heel, and I was so wrong because he is awesome. Uh, him and Callus is a great pairing. Uh, he had such a great swagger when he was in the ring himself. He felt like a main eventer in there. And that led to Omega's music hitting. He flew into the ring and attacked. And that was awesome. Until suddenly, like, and also when all this is going on, uh, Osprey runs into the ring suddenly. And I, I got to say this too. Because uh, we saw this last year with Okada. What's up with these guys from New Japan coming in and their attire is white t-shirt and jeans? I mean, I get it, Brian Danielson, he's an innovator. He is a style trendsetter. But I do think that they, he could have just come in with something a little flashier, especially for his character. But he ran in, beat the hell out of Omega. Uh, the announcer was going crazy. Brian Danielson walked out of the announce booth. He was on commentary for the main event. Gave him a standing ovation. Callus was clapping. Osprey stood tall to end the show. I mean, God, so much happened here. <laughs> but uh, what did you think of how this all played out, Ethan? Ooh, lot to take in. Uh, I was expecting yeah. Kingston, but I'm, um, I'm, I'm feeling like Excalibur right now, having to, to read <laughs> or, or talk uh, about that. Right? Uh, yeah, but he's in the he's in the G. It was good seeing Eddie back come back from Ring of Honor, and he's going to be in Japan for G1. Finally, he gets his dream. Uh, I like how he went after Claudio and Mox is like, dude, what are you doing? And they don't punch each other. And then Osprey, I didn't even. It's funny how Omega was going for feed trigger, like to, to catch on the ropes, and then Osprey's like, "Nope." And then I didn't even know he was there, and the fans went crazy for him. And then I was, I was waiting for Okada to show up. Oh, that I don't know why. Awesome. I, I was. Oh, by the way, I can't wait for that one to happen. But um, no, good ending. It was chaotic, but like in a good way. Yeah. But it was. It, I I really enjoyed the ending of the 
uh, Dynamite there, especially Os- I've obviously seen Osprey in AEW. I mean, he's what top like five wrestlers right now. Hold on a second for you. You need to be fair. We got to put those crowns up now for United Empire. Uh, yes, exactly. But you know, Osprey. I mean, obviously this match with him and, and Omega. I like that they did this. I like that they ended it on this because this is what, kind of one of my criticisms for last year's Forbidden Door. It's not like you need to have convoluted storylines or anything like that for Forbidden Door. <laughs> but I, I think putting some shine on these matches is appreciated. I think they're doing a lot better this year than they did last year. I mean, we even saw Zack Sabre Jr. on the show uh, set up him in OC. Uh, I think that's great. And obviously, the tag match next week with Shibata coming on is freaking awesome. Everybody's real hype about that. But I like that they're putting some spotlight on Forbidden Door. You put over the Takeshita and Omega deal in this match. Eddie and Moxley. This story, these storylines could go like 12 different ways coming out of this. And I totally agree the chaotic nature of it. But I thought it was definitely well done. And I, I thought it was, I thought it was something different than just the cliched, you know, if BCC had just beaten down the, you know, the elite, and then Omega ran out to save him. I think that would have been cool. Like he would have still got the huge pop, but that wouldn't have been as cool as what we got with all of this madness going. And it felt like you had a bunch of main eventers now going at it too. So all of this very well done. And yeah, you know, you mentioned Osprey. Shout out to Eddie Kingston too. Big fan of his. I know he's a big fan of Japanese wrestling. That, like you said, that's his dream to go in there. That was so good. And one thing before we uh, jump on to the WWE side of things real quick is I want to talk about Forbidden Door because that we mentioned it. We see the interactions. I just kind of felt, said my piece on it. But, Ethan, what do you think about this Forbidden Door show? You know, obviously we had last year's show, and now we're getting to this year. How do you feel about it, man? Oh, so excited for it. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I don't buy the AW pay-per-views much. To be honest with you, I don't really – Want to spend 50 bucks? Come on, TK. Let's get to a streaming service now. Um, honestly, for Alcada, I mean, I'm excited for Alcada Danielson, uh, Osprey Omega 2. That's, honestly, one of those two has to be the main event. Don't open them. Don't open the paper yeah. with them. I, I uh, sincerely think that Omega and Osprey, like, I mean, they set it up on this show. I, mean, I, I definitely think that's the main event, personally. It's gotta be. I mean, I would be mad if there's Alcada Danielson, don't get me wrong, but I think it should be, if I had, like, if, Basically, like, all right, you have to pick one. Like, no, like, t- no givesy bagsies or anything. I would say Omega Osprey too. Yeah, but I would be, I would be mad if Okan dance in main events. But if I had to choose one, I, I could see the U.S. title main event. Uh, I mean, MJF Tanahashi's main official. I mean, I did laugh when Renee told MJF, I and mean, MJF's like, nah, he don't deserve one in that ringy nick in the Fed. Uh, MJF's great. He, him, and New Japan yeah. Hatred. Uh, and it's not Jungle Boy. I'm, that's out of the four matches made so far. That's probably my least favorite one out of the four made so far. And then we don't know what's going with Saxon, Virginia, Orange Cassidy and all that. And then, yeah, well, well, I imagine we'll probably get the rest of the card probably next week. Cause I think this is yeah. the go home, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's right. Only one dynamite left, uh, before Forbidden Door. That's right. I think I, uh, man, that's crazy. It's coming up. Uh, yeah, yeah so one each. Show, but so I mean, you got three shows left to basically, or four shows. Sorry, as for recording, uh, the yep, basically, yeah, yeah, 
But Zack Sabre Jr., I know he was with Samoa Joe feuding Ring of Honor, so who's, I thought that was, I thought they were set up for Forbidden Door, but that's probably gonna be a Ring of Honor thing now. But I can see, yeah. I can see Cassie doing a triple throw with Sabre Jr. and Garcia. Or, they kind of alluded to that too on this show. That is worth mentioning, actually. Yeah, Garcia was there saying, oh, I should. Four-way, be- sorry. Oh, yeah, four-way too. Yeah, you could do something. Put Shibata in the, in the match. I, I don't know how that would make sense at all, logically, but we need Shibata. We need more Shibata in our lives. We all need that. I, not just on this show, but on every show. But, yeah, they kind of tease a lot of challenges. I mean, what do you think of the story with Orange Cassidy where he's like, he's defended the title a million times at this point, kind of wearing on him, breaking down a little bit. You know, do you feel like that this is near an end or do, will they continue it on? I didn't say this on and off for us to or nothing, but he just finds a way to retain. I know, I know poor Scott was sad when Swerve lost. I kind of, I, I, I thought, I swore, I thought Swerve had it there. Uh, oh, I, I love Swerve too. Uh, there. Two weeks ago I, now? Yeah, yeah, it was a couple weeks ago. I mean, that was a great match too, to be honest. Yes, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm not, I love, like, I, yeah. I'd say 7 out of 10, but I, I think it should have been, but, I mean, I get you're trying to like, like, store Cassie, being broke, quote unquote, broken down and all that, but, um, oh, he's gotta lose that thing soon. I mean, he's been a good, you know what's sad? That, when, I remember when the international, oh, back then, OSC All Atlanta, I remember people like just kind of like brushed it away. They're like, oh, we don't need more titles. Like, what was the point of it? But it's better than the TNT title now. Like, oh my God. Well, um, first of all, I think we need to establish something real quick with you personally. Were you offended, considering your proximity to the Atlantic Ocean, that they changed the All-Atlantic title to International? No. I, I, honestly, <laughs> I kind of like the name International title a little bit better. Yeah, yeah me too. I mean, all the, I get what he was trying to do with the All-Atlantic title, because, like, I mean, he had, like, the Japan flag and all that, and people were like, dude, like, Japan's not part. That's <laughs> specific. Okay, sure. I mean, whatever. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna criticize him for that. But I mean, yeah. No. We're all humans. We all make mistakes. But I get what he was trying to do. But honestly, I like international title a little name a little bit better. All the heck was cool, and then kind of weird that they had to add Shazam. But whatever. That's in the past. But I, I do like the international title name though. It's pretty. I get people are like, oh, they're taking a shot at WWE with the Intercontinental. Oh my god, guys! Stop comparing everything to WWE. Like Jesus. Maybe they need to go back to the, the old TNA title, the the global title. They need they need oh to bring it there. Hey, they got Jeff Jarrett there. They could have. No, that's true. I mean, we've seen a lot of him lately, so we need more TNA. In, oh, Sandra will hate me for saying that, so I, I apologize. But it's why I, I, before we move, I I remember um, like I remember when they he like level up. I actually thought he was gonna oh, yeah. call it the global title. To be honest with you. And then he's an international. Like, okay, I mean, it works. Yeah, I, I think it's better because global title it feels like okay, that's kind of the same as the world title. <laughs> like you know, yeah, like you're just saying yeah. another name. Uh, but the international title, I like. I think he's done a fine job with it. But I do agree that it. I think it's time to get a fresh face in here. The storylines reached its zenith. Well, hopefully that. You know, the Swerve deal, I'm a huge Swerve fan. I wanted him to win too. It's not just Scott. I'm representing for you, buddy. I, we're doing it for you here. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. But I'm still cool with OC. I think him and Zach would be a great match if they do get around to it. Or some sort of three-way, more likely, with Garcia. And I he's think like, it would be the three-way, but Garcia would probably be the... I, yeah. 
10 years. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. To- totally agree. Like, he'll put it in there and you can kind of extend this feud for a little while longer. Zach's going to be the G1, though, so I don't think he's going to win the title. You know, like, he'll, he'll be gone for a while, uh, you know, but he's a fine TV champion in New Japan doing a lot of great matches. Obviously, if you're familiar with his work uh, in Japan, you know what he's all about. And he's doing some big things. Looking forward to him. There's a lot um, of matches in his block. I'm ex- excited for, but I, but I mean, uh, what's it? Yeah, but uh, wow, I can't talk right now. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is totally cool. Uh, yeah, but who, who, like, who are you looking like, forward to with with him? Who, who's your match that you're most looking forward to with Zach in G1? Jeff Cobb. Oh, that'll be great. See, Cobb is my guy in New Japan, so I'm I'm all about that. But. Cobb, Naito, and Tanahashi are my top three. Oh, uh, yeah, Tanahashi, man. Eh, oh, sweet. That's a great segue. Cause I, I will say a little bit, I didn't really talk about these matches that much. Uh, OC and Zach, that's a good match on paper. Tanahashi, I think, is the perfect person to challenge MJF. Obviously, like you mentioned, he basically blew it off. He's like, ah, oh, like if they, because she was like, well, sorry, it's already been made. Tony Khan already said it's happening, and he's like, this won't be the first time I no show. Something. I laugh when he said that. I I couldn't stop laughing because basically he's talking about the whole warlord thing for people. Yeah, nobody was topple for a second. It took me a second too, so I mean, I can't. I was like, first thing you want to show. I'm like, oh, the devil not the war last year. Yeah, that's right. It took me a second. I was like. He wasn't at the big door last year. Also, I thought they'd give him a night off because, like, where he hates to do Japan, I thought he'd be kind of, like, taking the night off kind of thing. And then yeah. I kind of wish they did that just to play more of that story. And TK's like, no, you're you're going against Tanahashi. But I see some people saying uh, before they made the Tanahashi match official, they did shit to Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> oh, the Suzuki incident will, will be returned. What if MJF, like, cut off the theme song? Like, that was his heel move against Suzuki. Uh, when Suzuki comes out, he, like, stop the music! He got the mic and, and all of that. That would be hilarious. But heard a grandpa beat the shit out of him. <laughs> I think that MJF, though, I think he's, like, this is perfect for him, this segment, because he is now... I mean, he's already the top heel of AEW, but he's like a double top heel in Forbidden Door with his hatred of New Japan and the Indies and all of that stuff. <laughs> like, now this gives him – I hope next week we get a major promo with MJF just burying New Japan. Everybody, like the whole show, he basically talks about how lame everybody is. Just a, a stupid heel promo, and that will set up somebody coming out, probably Tanahashi himself. <laughs> coming out to shut him up more or less and set up this match, but I think Tanahashi is a great opponent. I am a huge Tanahashi fan. I know a lot of the fans of New Japan will always say, "Hey, Tanahashi, he's not at his best. He's broken down, but he can wrestle and is still one of the best these days." And I will, I will represent that uh, more or less uh, here. So. That's a good match. Sonata, Jungle Boy. I'm not the biggest Sonata fan, to, to be honest, but I will oh, say... Oh, no, I heard John Eastern Lariat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If you listen to that, you know. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it at least could set up something with Jungle Boy and Hook, so I'm into that. Brian Okada is the match I personally am most excited about. I love Okada's work in Japan this year, and Brian is my favorite of all time, basically. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, yeah, and Omega Osprey is going to be some good stuff. That's the top uh, two, and then MGF, I think MGF Tanahashi will have a sleeper good match too as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a big fan of that uh, overall. But 
let's go through to now that AEW is done for a little bit. We talked for about forty five minutes of that. Uh, let's just wrap up with some WWE stuff. There's not a it wasn't a huge huge week for WWE, so we can probably get by this pretty fast. Yeah. Um, you know, basically the thing that I'm most interested in, there's two storylines, and then we'll get to the bloodline stuff to close things out. <laughs> um, on Raw. The big thing right now is the heavyweight title reign of Seth Rollins. They have really pushed this workhorse image that he has uh, for it, where he is on every week, wanting to wrestle. We had the match with Damian Priest last week, which I thought was a really good match. Match of the the year, cannon for Raw, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, that show had Gunther and KO was like a a fantastic match as well. That was one of the better Raws I can remember. was the one I forgot. I wish we were talking about that more long for this week's Raw, which wasn't as good. This this Raw, like I said, my show, uh, sorry, Gail, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go uh, ahead. um, I lost my chance. Oh, like this Raw was, like, it wasn't like boring or anything. Like, it was just kind of there. Yeah. And um, I, I like the main event. The Undisputed Tag—I mean, Retro is non-title—and then I love Kale was- getting angry. Kale getting angry. You want a shot? Bye. You can't have a title shot. And I'm like, Owens, take a break. And same, she's like, Owens, Kale, calm down, brother, calm down. I'm hey, you want water? To- you want a water? Is, is the, like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hydrate. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. And then on SmackDown, uh, just right quick while we're talking about them. Oh, uh, no. Spoiler alert: anybody who hasn't watched SmackDown yet. Um, Freddie Daly won the Gala match. Just if you want to skip a couple seconds, just go ahead. And then Owens is like calm and saying, he's like, dude, you're not mad. And he's like, well, you told me to calm down. And he's saying, he's like, basically give him like a free pass. He's like, go ahead. And he's like, I want to punch them in the face. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I was, keep, keep, keep doing you, buddy. Keep doing you. I also like that he was like short, standing up for short guys' rights. When he was like, all these tall people, <laughs> it was going crazy. Oh my. And I like the Gable thing in the ring. While, uh, do the thing, Gable. Do the thing. And then Gable's like, first night, he's like, what? The? He's like, oh, and Sam's like, oh, they're going to do it. He's going to do it. Thank you. And then Gable's like, you're welcome. I love it. I'm like, can we put them on commentary? Like, they were excellent. Yeah, they, they did put them on commentary afterwards, too. So it was like, it all worked out. But uh, the Seth deal. The big thing on their thing this week was he didn't have a title shot, but they set up multiple title shots now. They they set up literally three title shots in two days here in Force Stats. So on Raw, he had a major problem with Finn Balor. Finn went into a spiel about what happened seven years ago in their match. The crowd t- totally ruined <laughs> Finn, Balor's segment, Finn Balor's segment here where they were like, they would not stop singing Seth's song. I, I and- did feel bad for Balor for that one. <laughs> I did feel bad for him. Yeah, he was totally shook, to be honest. And they kept trying. Seth was like, you waited for seven years, so you better hurry up and say it. And he's like, I would if these idiots would stop. <laughs> and, uh, I, did, so- I did laugh at that. I, I, did, I mean, I get, like, you're trying to get heel heat and stuff, but I, honestly, yeah. those fans were kind of... Yeah. I, I, I get, like, I mean, you can't... I just felt bad for that. They kind of did him dirty a little bit. This is like the what chance on steroids, <laughs> like, pretty yes. much. Like we're doing it for the whole promo now. Um, I was like, but I was like, okay, guys, like I actually want, I kind of want to hear, like with Dominic, like I mean, whatever. But like with yeah. Balor, like it's like, dude, like I actually kind of want to hear Balor's promo. And it's rare where because most of heels, you don't want to hear the heel, right? But I, I was like, okay, like he keeps saying something. It's like, come on, Balor, let's let's just get to the point, buddy. Let's. Just- <laughs> 
Yeah, and it was a shame because he actually had a very serious and heartfelt promo that you could totally buy as realistic. Like, yeah, he, oh, he yeah. really feels that way. Uh, and it's, yeah, the promo, it got derailed, but I will say that it at least created a memorable atmosphere for it. If this is it, if it, uh, that's my one fear is that every promo Seth is in now, the fans will do this to everybody. And if that happens, yeah. I think we're going to be in some, some dark times in the, in the near future. But for one segment, I think they, they got where they needed to go. Like they set up the title match. Nah, you know, Seth called him a bitch at the end. It's like we got everywhere we needed to go with it, and it could be memorable if they play it right. I just hope that it doesn't copycat in the future. But uh, I like the segment. They did a storyline on NXT where Braun challenged him to a title match. They set that up for next week. Uh, so they're trying to pop a rating on NXT pretty much, and they're going to throw Seth there. Uh, and then he said later on in this very Raw, he went on the mic and said, hey, I'm doing an open challenge next week. Like, we're going to do a title shot then. So it's like you've got the open challenge on Raw, Braun on NXT, and Finn at Money in the Bank. Who do you think is the going to answer the open challenges? Or who do you want to see? Like who? Because there's a lot of options on Raw. Yes. They're in Cleveland this Monday, right? That's right. Yeah, Logan Paul is coming back next week. No, yeah. I don't want Logan Paul. Johnny Gargano. <laughs> yes, Johnny Gargano. Well, they, let me go to Logan Paul for a sec there, Gil, before we go back to Rollins for a sec. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I swear, I'm not trying to cut you off, buddy. I don't mean That's to. What, I love it, man. I, I love the passion. Um, Like, Logan Paul, like, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I'm going to be just from the stuff years ago, but I'm not going to. Basically, people know if they know I'm not going to talk on the show just out of respect for people who lost loved ones due to suicide. Basically, if you're getting what I'm trying to say. Um, But, I mean, he's green in the ring. I just think it's too soon for him to go. To another world title, I don't. He hit the crowd dual match, but whatever. That that was a good match, but I don't think he'll accept the challenge. I think I can see Gargano, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised with Logan Paul. But well, they I already mean, have Logan Paul doing his own thing, so I actually don't think he will. Oh like, yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah. Right. Gargano but, uh, though, if they did a singles match. If they did a singles match with Gargano and Seth, I think that's the kind of shot in the arm he would need. To kind of like move forward because he, they played the hype video for him a, a couple of weeks ago that, Hey, I'm coming back. I went from the Indies. You know, I went from not even signed to I had to be signed and they have a lot of interesting things they can do with it. I love that idea. And I mean, I know you agree that that would be a, a like crazy match for the fans for WWE. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because they, they teased it a little bit at the limited share match back in February, like for the U.S. Yeah. title. I mean, since we're clean, I mean, I could see that, but I mean, who, who knows? But it's, um, I don't know who else they can do. Like, cause, I mean, I think Champ was still out. I mean, they're slowly teasing DIY. Yeah. I mean, kind of a little early, well, not early, but I can't really see the Cody thing again, but I'm going to stick with Gargano, but I don't, I don't know who else. JD McDonough, maybe? Oh, that would be good because we saw Finn kind of mentoring uh, him like backstage. I think that would be a logical storyline, to be honest. But I think Gargano would be the one that gets the crowd. <laughs> like that would be a great reaction. They're they're the ones they wouldn't he wouldn't see get sung over by the crowd in Cleveland. Yeah. There, but unfortunately, uh, you, you know, book and oh, you're the hometown boy. You're losing, pal. Oh yeah, that, yes, that's that's one thing that has not changed <laughs> lately, lately, lately. There, so. And yeah, but Braun could be a good match too on Gold Rush day one, yeah, or week one, whatever you want to say. That's kind of cool. I think that they're doing something a little different that gives Braun a little bit of a storyline, still making him the main guy, kind of, even though he's not the champion right now. Um, you know, I and, think and you that, him though. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. But I do think in both those cases, 
with Gargano and Braun, even if they lose, I think that'll elevate them a lot more. If they can go out, if Gargano can go out there and have a 20 minute match with Seth to main event, he's moving out. Like that'll be better than what he's been doing his whole yes. run. Oh, run God. Much. Uh, so oh. I'm, I'm all for that. And, uh, one other thing, uh, we mentioned Dominic earlier. He's facing Cody. It's okay. <laughs> Pretty much. Like we're kind of a holding pattern until Brock gets back and him and Cody can yeah. play. I mean, I, See, I, I'm glad Dominic left his father. Like, I'm not the biggest on but he's kind of been impressive beat with his heel work. Like, I mean, I can't, like, deny him that. But it's just, like, I don't really – he's one of those guys I could take or leave, to be honest with you. And it feels like the the crowd reaction is not that organic uh, either. It's like – it's copycat crowd, kind of like what I said. It's like one crowd did it, and then the, it's like everybody kind of did it. So, so uh, we will see what happens there. Uh, one more thing, too, before we move on, finally. Uh, we just got a few more minutes left on the show. Um, Money in the Bank. What do you think of the two matches they built up? Because they've got all but one person in the women's ladder match set up. Uh, for the men's match, it's Ricochet, Shinsuke Nakamura, L.A. Knight, Santos Escobar, uh, Butch, Pete Dunn, <laughs> like also known as, and Damian Priest qualified on this Raw. So it's six people. Who do you kind of got a vibe for that they're kind of leaning towards for this Money in the Bank match on the men's side? Oh, this one's hard. Um, I like well, the way they set this match up, though. All, yeah, all six men kind of, like, would totally get elevated. Like, one. there's no former world champions. There's no winner. So this is the first, like, not counting the very first one, but basically since 05 that they had no winner or world champion. Okay, well, 05 had former world champions, but now, since more famous, but you know what I'm trying to get here. Uh, if I had to pick three people, I'd say Escobar, Knight, of Priest. Yeah, I think those are the three favorites, uh, pretty much. Like, they all make logic sense. The other three are... are Nakamura is, like, right below, like, point, like, 3B, I'll just say. Yeah, yeah. I think the other three are, like, they will add something to the match wrestling-wise, uh, especially Ricochet. I mean, I, he's the one that I think it would be a stunner if he won, but he's going to have a lot of spectacular moments uh, in here and be kind of the focus of the match itself. Um, Butch is going to get a hometown reaction. I think he's kind of my dark horse pick if they wanted to do yeah, something. Yeah, I you know that. Yeah, and then they, they've done screwy stuff with the titles and things like that, or the Money in the Bank briefcase before. If they just say, okay, we need a hometown reaction, they might go with that. But I do think the three you said are the main ones. I think to me, just story-wise, like if I had to pick, I would actually put it on Escobar. I've said before, I think the LWO is an awesome group, super hot, like the fans love them. Obviously, at Backlash will be Trump, anything that happens here in uh, like Money in the Bank. Like, it's going to be like an amazing reaction there. This will still be a great reaction, but it won't be as big, obviously, as in Puerto Rico. But Escobar, to me, I think there's so much upside in him. The group itself, I think, is a great unit. I think that they should really get a spotlight. But I think that if you just look at how they have, like, how things have been built up on Raw and SmackDown, I think Priest is the one that is the best built up. Like, he's the closest to being a true main eventer of these six, in, in my Me opinion. Too. Yeah, I, I agree with that. LA Knight's second, like, on the SmackDown yeah. side. But I kind of figured they were putting Butch there because, like, possibly. Yeah, hold that. Yeah. I mean, it's Baron Corbin, but still. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but those are the three I'm going with. I mean, honorable mentions, I say not more for the men, for the women. Yeah. So, I, I mean, Spo- again, spoiler, just skip a few seconds. I'm just saying, just in case people did watch SmackDown. Uh, so, 
he'll beat Chauncey last week to qualify. Everybody knows that. And then basically they did backstage and were, uh, basically Chauncey, they were control were arguing after they lost Selena. Basically the whole point is Chauncey said, basically it took two of you to beat me to qualify for the spot. And then she challenged Bailey for her spot on the line. EO accepted on her behalf and then broke in that next week on SmackDown. I like Shotzi, but I think Bailey still, still quote unquote retains, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the story is setting up for Bailey and EO to collide in the in the latter match. So it's going to be right now. We've got Zelina Vega, uh, EO Sky, and Bailey on SmackDown, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, and there'll be one left, a mystery person on Raw. I hope it's Trish personally because I love her heel work. Uh, so, be, so much I, can, I can't see that. Um, do you want an exclusive here on Wrestle Update down for my women's money in the bank pick? Give me the update. EO Sky. That's my pick as well. I think we we're totally on the same wavelength here. Give me her and Oscar, please. Ah man, I, so much like that's and again kind of like what we said about MJF and Cole being the shot in the arm after. I mean, the match at the pay per view was great in that match, but the build up was not, and now it feels like it's a hot title again. I feel the same way about Oscar. The title reign has not been flawless to say the least, and I think her and EO back to back would be a great. That's going to get it. Attention, excitement, passion, just great stuff there. EO is the pick clearly to me in the women's match. If I had to pick one on Raw, if Trish is in there, I still think her with the briefcase cutting promos and that being a good way to set up her getting a title win, one last title reign, I could be down with that. But EO is by far the pick in this match. Like That's the clear-cut favorite to me. Oscar needs to beat Charlotte because make yeah, Charlotte please, please her, God, her, please. Char, Char, her Charlotte in the bank. Please, <laughs> Please please. In the yes, please. <laughs> yeah, we we need that. And uh, just uh, in the show, before you get on out of here, you gave us a good amount of time. I really appreciate it, Ethan. No problem, uh, buddy. Love, uh, love talking wrestling. One of my favorite things to do. <laughs> I, I'm glad you, you did it with me this week. So uh, no problem, before, before we get out of here real quick, I just want to ask about the bloodline. Because yes. obviously, like every week on SmackDown, the bloodline has taken over. And we got the moment. We got the moment this week of Jey Uso finally standing up to the tribal chief Roman Reigns. What what did you think of this how this whole thing played out? Because it was a it was quite a segment. Like this time you know, there was ups and downs and all arounds in this thing. Oh my god, Jay, don't play with my heart like that, brother. <laughs> I've because like I mean they were teasing it. I mean I like how he kept teasing Paul was gonna leave or get kicked out, sorry. But I mean and then Roman's like, nope, he uh he's my wife's not yours. And then when I like that tease where uh, I thought Jay was staying. I love that part where he's like, Jimmy, you're out. And then he's like, it's all my, and I mean, he smoked Roman too. I mean, Roman, I know his, I mean, his tolerance long and people can say what he wants, but honestly, his sales of the super kicks, he sold those like he got shot. <laughs> like, I mean, he sold those and the soul's like, you, you paid my tribal chief. And then so, I mean, Solo's he's been great. One of the best NXT cops. I oh, can't yeah, say enough good things about him. Totally agree. But yeah, this, I think we're going to tag match up Money in the Bank, I think. Gotta be. I love this segment. I think Jay is so good at these, like, oh, I'm teasing, I'm turning on you, but actually I'm turning on this other guy. <laughs> like promos. I thought it was so well done. Uh, great. You know, once again, I think everybody always mentioned it. I'm not giving you new info, but Jay is such a great actor. Uh, where you do this, these promo segments, he, he tugs at their heartstrings. He built it up too. He was like, he wasn't like, oh, you know, 
you suck, but actually, no, this guy sucks. It was more like, hey, my whole life, you were the king at the prom. You got yeah. everything. Like, he was going through that whole life, backstory. You know like, he called them by his real name, too? Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, see, look at that. That's a, what a great touch that was, too, on there. Uh, yeah, so but that was really cool, uh, the whole segment. And then the triumphant turn at the end. It's what we've all been waiting for. And that's my big thing with the storyline. <laughs> yes, it's long. But the last month or two, they've actually gotten to new territory, which is the thing they desperately needed because it was really stale. Like, you know, once they left WrestleMania and the two months prior to that, before we got the Night of Champions or whatever, mm-hmm. it was stale. But now that we've got the turns, now you've got the Usos realigned again. They've well, got a lot some more trash issues now. I mean, Sami Zayn turned on them, Jim yeah. turned on them, Jay turned on them. Like, but I like that show tease. Even Sammy was talking to give him like a final thing. I'm like, okay, th- I I think. But I like how they, like the Pound King is out there. Roman's like, you guys barely were basically taking shots that they were either on the pre-show or dark matches of WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, you weren't anything because of me. I'm like, I'm like, man, Roman, tell us how you really feel, man. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, these crowds weren't cheering for you like this ten years ago before I showed up uh, there. I love it, and they've also set up now, like, Roman's, his defense force is now toast. Like, he's got Solo left, and that's it. And you could go, you could tease this a ton of different ways. And that's what I liked about the segment, like, uh, like a few weeks ago, was that they set it up to where any of the three Usos are in play now to face Roman one-on-one. But the way they set it up now, it feels like they, like you said, I totally agree with the tag match. How do you think that'll go and where, where they'll get to for SummerSlam? Like, cause he's obviously defending against one of these guys. Uh, how do you, how do you think this is going to go with the tag match at Money in the Bank? If it does, we're speculating right now, but how do you think they're going to get there? Oh, to like the Money in the Bank match? I just, uh, yeah. How do you think that'll turn out? Do you think that Jay pins Roman solo turns, solo loses? Oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. What's going to happen? Ooh, I mean, if they do the tag match, I mean, I like, so I don't, he really ever gets pinned, but I think in this case, you might have to pin him, or I could see Roman just snapping, like, basically doing a too much ass-kicking finish. Oh, yeah, I yeah, they just, few, few, I, I just yeah, I, I mean, I, I know I said earlier, I'm not a big fan, but sometimes I can make exceptions. Yeah. But I think that should be one of those times where you might have to throw DQ in there, like, protect all four and then. Do maybe at Sunshine do like Roman versus Jimmy or Roman versus Jay, a rare Usos title match kind of thing. Yeah, I could see that. I could see a fatal four way coming out of this. All of them, like for, we are with each other, and you could tease then Roman basically telling Solo, "Hey, I need you to be my bodyguard in this match." And so it's like, well, I want the title, bro. <laughs> like on there, you know, I, I could. That's kind of where I'm feeling this going right now. I think they're all going to be involved. Uh, uh, you know that's kind of where they're leading to, and I think they can build something off of that if they want. Because uh, I don't, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they go. And I think that they've taken a great step step forward in the last few weeks. So I like how um, a couple weeks ago where Solo, where Roman's like gives his microphone and Solo. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, have you watched NXT during the no the Nickelodeon arena or the? Area. <laughs> yes, yes, I know exactly uh, what so, you're talking about. So I like how like Solo talked a few times there, and then when he came to the main roster, like he was like mute. I mean, some. I mean, he he can talk though. I will give Solo that he can talk. Yeah. And then I like how Roman's like, well, let's see what Solo wants to do. I'm like, oh, oh okay, let's see. Here we go. Where Solo? And then he was like, I try I analogy, and then he went to his brothers for like, oh, okay, here we go. And then Solo, yeah, like, that was awesome. Yeah. I love that one. I love that segment. 
Oh yeah, Solo's awesome. Like I, he's one of my favorite guys actually. Like on the roster right now, I love his character. Just total badass, super protected. <laughs> like people make wrestling way too hard sometimes. All you need is ass kickers who, who don't lose, and you will get popular almost all the time. They kind of missed the opportunity though. Uh, about the um, like remember when old blonde had the titles? I know he yeah. had this North American for like a whole week, but I mean he should have yeah, won yeah. the Inter- the United States Intercontinental and then. Yeah, uh, did all there, but yeah, I mean, it was great. I love the ending of that segment. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that's something they could play off of if they were to do something like that. I still don't think Solo is to be counted out of this whole formula formula right now because I think he's so great. Um, Heyman, where's he going to side? Was he going to turn on Roman next? <laughs> you know, after you know, basically, hey, my golden goose, you don't have nobody left. It's time for me to jump back <laughs> to, to somebody else on there. I think there's like tons of different things that you can do for this. I think they did a great job. To me, SmackDown is kind of a like the thing is the bloodline stuff is phenomenal. The rest of the show, I mean, you look at their shows, it's like their matches three, four, five minutes. You're not getting a lot of great wrestling on SmackDown. It's really up to the bloodline to carry that show. And they they've done as good of a job as you could ask for to do it. I I think that they did a great job. So yeah, really excited to see where that goes. I'm hyped for Money in the Bank. The ma- the latter matches themselves, I think they're both fresh. You have potential for, for great winners, people who have never won before, like what you said earlier. I think they've done a good job. So uh, the shows themselves, you know, like I said, this week's Raw and SmackDown weren't that great, to be honest. Like, Dynamite blew them away, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, this, if I, I like SmackDown a little bit better than Raw, just a smidge. Yeah, you had the big movement there. Like, yes, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the week before, though, I thought Raw was the best show, actually. Like, with Seth and, and, and Priest and the KO and Gunther. Yeah, I did, too. That, that one, Raw beat SmackDown there. And then, yeah. but this week, I like SmackDown, like, out of the two WWE, well, NXT. Yeah. NXT, if I had to go three, I'd go SmackDown, NXT, and Raw. Not by, like, a whole lot, just, like, maybe, like, a two or three percent, just more for the bloodline stuff. Yeah, exactly. That that feels like the energy of this company right now. And I, it's good to see because it's something that's, been, you know, it's been stale a lot of times, and I think that they're not a, they're at a good point right now with that. It's setting up some big things. So, so good stuff there. Dynamite was a great show, obviously. Yes. Rampage even had some big matches. So it was a good week of wrestling. Uh, I mentioned before, hopefully everybody checks out my thing of, of Collision. I'm going to tack that on here to talk about it after the show. It's going to be like pretty much right after the show happens. So uh, everybody check that out. But Ethan. It's been so great to have you on. Uh, like I said, it took some finagling. It took some special work and things. We had to make it work, but we did it. It worked out, and I'm so happy it did. And Me too, brother. Me too. Yeah, say, say, say what you want to the audience, the Wrestle, uh, the Wrestle Update listeners, and obviously plug your stuff because you got a lot going on, man. I do. So you can follow me on Twitter at wrestling underscore fan underscore nine. You can follow me on I do coverage on PWMedia.com for everything under the sun, WWE, AEW, Stardom, New Japan, All Japan, NOLA, Dragon Gate, to- Tokyo Joe, any wrestling under the sun, pretty much. Uh, follow me on Pro Wrestling Post, where I do retro reviews of All Japan Pro Wrestling, NOLA, and ECW, the original. Uh, follow my website, Wrestling with Ethan, what do everything else. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on my show, Walk with Ethan Wrestling Podcast, on Fridays, episodes drop Fridays and Sundays. Friday's episodes are the shows for Monday for Thursday, and then Sunday shows are obviously the weekend shows, Friday through Sunday. Also on the unofficial WWE podcast where I host the AEW Weekly Wrap-Up where I talk AEW stuff. And follow me on Above the Ring where I want to post on that show as well. So you catch me everywhere, pretty much. All right. With that said, 
Let's move over to my solo segment now. I'm here to talk about AEW Collision. We recorded the show earlier in the day with me and Ethan. I'm recording this immediately after Collision. So let's get into it right away now. You know what I'm talking about. Let's go. So, first of all, obviously, you start off with Elton John as the intro. It's all right for fighting. Uh, you had da- Dasha as the ring announcer. You had Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGinnis as the commentators for this show. I'm very interested to see Kevin Kelly as the host of the show. Well-known in the New Japan Pro Wrestling world and his English commentary as well. And just for me, I think that Collision is too soon to say in terms of wrestling content and how the show is. But in terms of commentary presentation... I really think Collision is kind of better than Dynamite. I got to mention this a little bit earlier that I'm not a huge fan of the change in style of Dynamite from where it was before. It felt too similar to the something like a, a mini WWE almost. This here was much more closely resembling the old WCW style. You had the red ring ropes. You had the announcers back and the commentators really close to the ring at ringside. I like that they made moves to separate this from Dynamite. I think they've done a better job already just with the aura of the show than they did with Rampage of separating it from Dynamite, which I think they desperately needed to do. I still think there's work to be done with the set and how everything looks to make it more different and make it more unique. I don't know how they're going to do that or if there's even plans to do that or if they even care about doing that. But for me, that's something I considered extremely important going into Collision to make it different than Dynamite. Give it purpose as a show to exist other than just, hey, all of this shoot stuff is going on with Punk and we need a different show because you know, they won't work with each other or, or whatever. Not taking sides or anything, just saying that's pretty much the reason for the show as we know now. Um. The show started off right with CM Punk. They got right to the meat of it, which is the absolute right thing to do. And his promo, in my opinion, was awesome. I think he did a great job. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm not a huge fan of his. I don't have any emotional connection. He didn't get me into wrestling. I didn't like his title reign, even in WWE 10 years ago. (laughs) Um, In AEW, he's done a great job. I think really having some of the best work of his career even against MJF, and they called right back to it here, where he started off, he basically did a lot of teasing going in, where he basically said, hey, first of all, he took the AEW logo off the microphone, and then he said, hey, I'm not, no more Mr. Nice Guy. He was talking about how this wrestling business is for grown-ups, and the he said something to the effect of uh the first of all the crowd nuclear pop as you would expect in Chicago here he kept going on I I think this maybe is one of his new catchphrases he's like tell me when I'm telling lies <laughs> right now he said that two or three times here he said he loves the fans there's some people that hate him the crowd chanted you know f the elite over and over uh he talked about the uh, he was talking about this guy who turned out to be the Warner Brothers CEO. 
he was like, he calls me one Bill Phil because I'm the genuine thing in a business full of counterfeit bucks. <laughs> so <laughs> that right away, that tells you that they leaned into that as much as they probably wanted to here or as much as he, I guess he thought he could get away with. But I, I, you know, it's more or less agreed upon. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that here. I don't think it was an actual shoot or whatever. But still, it's what the fans wanted in this arena. And actually good even for his haters, if you take sides in this feud or whatever. This is what they needed to do. Because that is the ultimate match in all of it. Is him versus the elite. That's what the fans really want to see one way or the other. And I like that they didn't completely run away with it. And I, this is only week one. We have to keep in mind, too. I don't think anybody should have or would have expected him to just bear all, pretty much. I don't know if I've said this to anybody, but I really do wonder. The legal issue stuff really feels like a smokescreen to me and not actually that legitimate. You know, that's just a, a convenient excuse <laughs> to not talk about it. And maybe it did happen that way. But the way Tony Khan has handled this thing, uh, look at the interview he did with John Pollock and Thurston, where he was too unnecessarily, it had nothing, no legal agreement would have made him that secretive. I don't know why AEW is so obsessed with becoming this hidden, you know, they keep things quiet that wouldn't even be a big deal if they were open about it, or... It would actually help them. I think there's some things that they were more transparent. It would actually help them. And the way that he's handled things has really been a detriment to the show. I've praised Tony Khan in the past for how he's run the company. Give him credit for how he's taken this four-year-old company to such major events doing big things. But when you hear an interview like that, there really is no defending it. I think that it was just a really bad look for him and the company. Ultimately, though... This is kind of the thing I, I said uh, talking about Punk earlier. The saddest part of all this is that Punk was right when he said that the fans are talking about him. There is more interest in anything he does than anything that's actually on their shows. Outside of one feud, you could argue. But when you look at the company as it is now, they want to turn that around and kind of move this into the shows. And I think that the interviews and stuff that Tony Khan did building it up was not the best look, so to speak. But anyway, he had this bag where he's like, uh, I don't have this because I deserved it. It's because I earned it. It's not because I had the best dog collar match. It's because I won the dog collar match. And whatever's in this bag... Someone can pin me or tap me out for it until then it's mine. And he basically looked at the camera and said, uh, he said, there's nobody in this company that can fill my shoes. They belong on my feet. Some people want me to retire, but that ain't going to happen. And then he looked at the camera and he took the mic down. He said, tell me what I'm telling lies one more time. <laughs> uh, he threw the mic down and he looked at the camera and said, what's in this bag, Max? So, okay, this was actually my original idea for Punk. Why not just throw him into the feud with MJF? That is the long-term storyline. Who knows until, to me, who knows until there's another meltdown with Punk. 
they can't let that storyline, that thread go unnoticed. And I think a lot of people, because of the way they set up the main event match, they kind of dismissed it and wanted to put him in with Jay White, Samoa Joe, and these other guys. And nothing against them, but I think Punk is at a certain level at this point of notoriety. Not talking about his work, because I will talk about that. Again, I told you before, I'm not his biggest fan. <laughs> we will get to some of those reasons. But I thought this promo was the perfect way to open this show. Say what you want about him. But again, I've mentioned this before about the Elite. One of the biggest things in wrestling, know your audience. Know who you're talking to. Know how to get a reaction from them, positive or negative. A lot of the stuff the Elite has done has pissed a lot of these CM Punk supporters off. But it's also made them like them more. Punk, this was exactly what the fans wanted to hear. He did just enough. He didn't go full bear. He didn't bear at all. He gave just enough of a thread to where this will get people talking. People will talk about the Elite and Punk. And if anything... He's basically won the public war already, because now if they just let, keep letting this slide and don't say anything, that makes them look bad to not just them, but a lot of the audience who maybe aren't as in you know enraptured with this drama online, on Twitter, on Instagram. There's some people who don't even care about that stuff, you know? And to those people, they, they're they smart enough to know what he's talking about, that something is going on. There's a reason he's been gone. There's a reason he he brought that up. And that is going to win their side over to him. So I think he did a really brilliant promo. He knew his audience. He said exactly what would get the greatest reaction of his fans and needle the ones that are going to hate him no matter what. He said he could have come out there and said, you know, I love AEW. Like, you know, my life wouldn't be the same without it. I love the fans. I'm sorry to Omega and the, the Bucks. They're still going to hate him after all of this. So I think that this was the best way to go about it and the great thing that could leave, lead to money matches. There should never be any kind of public apology, in my, in my opinion. That totally kills this whole angle. They need to believe he is like how he is. And a lot of this stuff, too, a lot of these feelings that he had, does anybody think that they might not be a shoot? I'm skeptical. I do think they're le- le- this is all going to lead to something eventually. But you could totally believe these are his real feelings. So it was a great start to the show overall. It was way more interesting to me than the main event itself. I thought that that... All of the energy was in this feud, but I like that they teased, they ended it teasing with Max, uh, MJF, because they need, they need to keep the storyline going and end it in a, in a reasonable way. He is at a level above these guys that we were talking about earlier. He's a level above the things that we're talking about earlier. I still think for me, I'll get into it after the main event, but, a wonderful opening segment for Collision here. They did a fantastic job. What was not fantastic was Wardlow versus Luchasaurus. 
Luchasaurus won the title, but to me, this felt like the end of the line for Wardlow. They just haven't been able to get him to the point he was at. You know, that's just the reality of the situation. Losing the Luchasaurus, that is pretty much a downer for everybody. Luchasaurus is not title material, in my opinion. He's not a champion material. If it was Christian, I would be down with it. If you remember the show we did a few weeks ago, me and Sandre reviewing Double or Nothing, that was one of the better matches on the show, outside of the top two, obviously. I thought their ladder match between Christian and Wardlow was really good. Especially for the expectations. This was a bad match. <laughs> like, I don't know what the cage match ratings are right now. I'll check it at the end. But this was a really bad match. There's just no nice way of saying it. And the title means less than ever. They've done a really poor job going back and forth with the title. I think that they probably should have just kept it on Hobbs for this time, which is a great segue to what happened next because they interviewed Hobbs. Unfortunately, the problem with him is he's right with QT Marshall, which is a, a career-killing move. You know, there's just no good that can come from this. I don't know why they continued it. I think if it were me, I would have had him beat the hell out of Marshall on this show, and that would be the end of it at the end of the day. Like, there needs to be no more of this pairing. He adds nothing. He takes away from him greatly, in my opinion. And it's just a bad look to have him, you know. He needs to be the lone wolf on his own at this point. Because I'm a huge fan of Will Hobbs. I think this guy's got everything it takes. Great look. Good in-ring. Good promo. He's a great, great aura about him. Uh, really good stuff. But they announced he'll be in the Owen Hart tournament uh, going in there. Up next was Andrade El Idolo versus Buddy Matthews. And uh, the crowd was receptive to Andrade. He was basically a babyface in this match. And they had a good match, I thought. Uh, you know, this wasn't something I would say is like off the charts great or anything like that. But I liked what they did here well enough. I think that, I mean, obviously it was way better than the Luchasaurus match. But it was pretty good. Got some good things for uh, for Buddy and Andrade. The big thing at the end was the angle at the end, though. Uh, they basically Andrade tried to offer him a headshake. At first, Buddy looked like he he didn't want it. Then he stood there, and then he's like, "Okay, maybe so." But before he could shake his hand, the lights went out, and the whole house of black was there. They beat down Andrade. This clearly sets up Andrade fighting some people. But to me, I'm all for LFI going for the trios titles, him, Roosh, and Dralistico. I'm also okay. I think this could definitely be setting up a forbidden door match. House of Black versus Andrade, Naito, and a third member, maybe Hiromu, going for the titles. I'd be down for that. I think that would be a great usage of Naito. Because Naito and, more importantly, Hiromu, to me, <laughs> just me as a fan... I think I am more interested in that than pretty much any match they can make up. So, I hope that they set that up. Also possible, Bushi could be the third man <laughs> that he that he teams with as well. Naito and Bushi, so Bushi can take the fall. But, you know, it'll be okay. I, I, I don't know. I think that that's probably more likely. This sets up a Forbidden Door tease next week on Dynamite. But, we will see. Andrade looks fine. Again, not a blow-away match, to be perfectly honest, but a 
a good showing in the mid card. They started hyping up Scorpio Sky again. Uh, and he basically cut this promo like a voiceover promo where he was sitting down. He said that he's on another level. It's hard to buy it when he's been gone for so, so long. And he's a fine performer. Like, there's nothing wrong with him. I just think that you have better options on the show, pretty much, if you want to hype people up. I just, I don't know. But they're giving him a chance. We'll see what happens. Uh, Tony Nese came out. He was doing this, like, uh, Simon Dean gimmick. <laughs> like, pretty much, like, talking about athleticism or, you know, getting in shape or some bullcrap like that. It led to Miro coming out, and I was psyched for this. And he destroyed Nice. It was freaking awesome, as we know. And Miro freaking rules. So, of, of course, we see that. Um, you know, it was super one-sided. We did see Andrade use the figure eight, which made me like his match even less. Because <laughs> uh, the last thing I need to be is reminded of Charlotte's existence on any show. And Miro was... Just great here. Uh, he beat him down, hit the huge Machka kick. Like he screamed out to the crowd, game over, locked it in. It was cool. Like a very short match, but very good. No rating on cage match for sure because it's under five minutes. <laughs> but, but I think it was a great reintroduction to Miro. This is all he needs to do. Be badass, beat people up, and cut awesome promos. These are things that he's great at. And if they commit to him and give him TV time, he's going to shoot up this card because he's undeniably great. And, uh, you know, to the point where even if they try to go heel with him, I think he's too good and the fans will turn him babyface automatically. Uh, I think he's just a fantastic performer. To me, one of the best in the whole company. I would put him on the top, top tier level. All around promos and in-ring, to me, Miro is near the top of the company, in my opinion. I won't say he was the absolute best guy before he got injured, but to me, he was a candidate. Like, you know, Omega obviously is a great wrestler, but his promos were lacking for a long time. I think he's done a, a really good job of taking a step forward with the more serious character he has, but Miro was an all-around talent, and I think that's somebody you can look at at the top of the card if they continue to be loyal to him and give him a good push. He should be the TNT champion again, not, not Luchasaurus. In fact, that's honestly exactly what I would do. I would have him destroy Christian and then destroy Luchasaurus in like another two or three minute match. Take the title, get rid of the, that geek, and get the title on somebody who can make it mean something again. But good squash here. Up next, the tag match between the women. You had Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue taking on Tony Storm and Ruby Soho, the outcast. They attacked early on. The Outcast did the heel beat down. They did stuff with the spray paint once again. Uh, they ended up going in on things, but in the end, uh, Willow came in. Uh, she took out Tony. Uh, they uh, double teamed on Ruby, Ruby Soho. Sky Blue hit the Code Blue for the win. The announcers went kind of crazy over this, made it like this big deal. Which I guess it is, but, you know, one of them is the women's champion, but Willow is the IWGP strong women's champion, so <laughs> you get a little bit there. 
they've really been giving Sky Blue a lot lately, which is pretty interesting. Uh, she had a really good match on Dynamite, like one of her better performances. I won't say it was like a good, good match, but for Sky Blue standards, it definitely was up there. Um, and they seem to be really getting confident rolling with her. I question why it's her and not maybe Sheeta that they go with as this TV personality. Willow, I totally approve of. I think she's up there, somebody that should be on TV every week doing big things. Sky Blue, I'm questioning a little bit. Uh, although I don't want to do that considering she has a history of setting people on fire, so let's not tell her I said that. <laughs> if anybody asks, if you tell her that I said that I think that other people should get her spot instead of her or get her TV time, I will deny it up and down. I just want you to know that. Because as we know, wrestlers and anyone in the wrestling business never lie. So I would have to tell her that, to not lie, even though I'm lying. But I won't lie about this. Ricky Starks is going to be in the Owen Hart tournament too. Makes perfect sense to me. And wouldn't you know it, he says he'll be the one to win the tournament as well. I like to see a wrestler come on here and say, huh, me? In this tournament? I'll never win this crap. It's going to be Hobbs. <laughs> it won't be me. It just depends on who who is all in the bracket, I would say. I think Starks and Hobbs are the exact kind of level of guys you would want to be in this tournament, though. I personally really would like it to be somebody that would have maybe not a connection to Owen Hart, but wrestles like him. I, uh, and there's there's nobody as good as him like on the roster. In my opinion, he was my idol in wrestling, if you don't know legitimately. Um but, and Brian's going to be in the main event, so it probably won't be him. I think a Roderick would be a great person. Like, really fits Owen's style of wrestling good. Only, like, not a biggish guy. Wrestles hard, wrestles with a lot of heart, no pun intended. I think he'd be the perfect guy to win that title, uh, if they're giving the belts out again. But win the tournament anyway. They did a video on Jeff Jarrett. Challenging Mark Briscoe. I think we've seen enough of him, honestly. I mean, I'm from Tennessee. You know, I'm literally born and raised in Memphis. But I think we're at that point. And he's been good. And he is good. He's always been good. Like, no matter what role he's been in, he's always been good. But the risk of overexposing him is so high... And only second to when he was the own, the owner of the company, <laughs> like, uh, is it right now? Because he's, he's just too old in this style of wrestling, in this style of company, <laughs> to be getting the kind of TV time that he does. So again, another person I'd have to deny up and down if you told them that I, I didn't like his TV time. But I like him though, and I like Sky Blue well enough, but I just think that there's better people. Again, Roderick Strong was not on this show. He hasn't been on Dynamite in weeks. And we're getting multiple shots of these guys. I just, I can't get super down with that. Although I am happy that they're giving Mark at least a run, too. He's another guy that I think you could do a lot with. With Ring of Honor, it just doesn't mean what it did, you know. It doesn't mean what it did in the past. You can already tell, I mean, with Eddie coming back, that kind of contradicts his own storyline. And we see that didn't mean that much to Tony anyway when he happily broke kayfabe on uh, one of the conference calls to talk about how it was just a storyline. He went to Ring of Honor. But I, I do like Mark Briscoe a lot. I think he's done a great job. And he's a guy I literally, 
honestly think that they could do a lot more with him than this undercard feud with Jarrett. But we'll see. The acclaim come in. Uh, Max wrapped in. I got to say, Max's flow is well improved over the years. At first, when he came in, I thought, man, this guy sucks on the mic. Just as a rapper, I thought he kind of sucked. Not his promos, but he's gotten a lot better, actually. I think he's he's done a lot of good things with it. <laughs> um, he he had some good lines here. He was talking about how, hey, you know, we we I think we said something like, we stole more hearts than Trump stole documents. <laughs> that got a big ooh from the crowd. Shouted out Father's Day. Uh, shouted out Billy Gunn, too, for that. Uh, also, I got to join Max in that same sentiment. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there who has a father that they're with. And if you don't, then just know that I'm standing with you. Uh, you know, that's in my heart for real. But if you do, nothing but well wishes to all the good dads out there. So hopefully you guys have fun. <laughs> that's another reason why we had to do the show like this because, you know, Father's Day is coming right up. So a lot, a lot of people, not a lot of people were available on this particular day. So sorry for that. But hopefully my solo part will be good covering Collision. And hopefully you guys like the part with me and Ethan too coming up. But anyway, good promo, fun segment, kind of pointless, but whatever. It was for the fans. Kind of this whole show felt like a fan service show almost, you know, in a lot of ways to that Chicago crowd. And they did it. Uh, Bowen said that stands uh, with acclaimed every weekend now instead of just every Wednesday. They did a four-way scissor spot with Billy Gunn and Giovanni. The crowd loved it. It was cool. Main event time, CM Punk and FTR, they took on Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Samoa Joe. They went about five minutes where it, uh, Punk wasn't in the ring. But then Joe tagged in, and he pointed to Punk, and Punk finally tagged in. Amazing response from the fans. Just them staring each other down. That meant more than pretty much anything else in this match, to be honest with you. Uh, because the crowd was going crazy. Holy shit chants up and down from the crowd. They just had a buzz to them, and energy with Joe was in there that nobody else in the match just had at the end of the day. Or if they were facing other people, too. <laughs> um, Punk's wrestling in this match. This may be unpopular, I did not think he looked very good, in all honesty, here. I know he's been gone for a while, but to me, this kind of, this was my point when me and Scott were talking about him a few weeks ago. He started out great, had those amazing matches, the match with MJF is one of the best in AEW history, the, the dog collar match. They still bring up, and they've done a wonderful job of making that feel like a legendary match, like they should have. He had great matches with a lot of people, Darby, Kingston, a lot of people. But by the end of his run, before everything happened, he wasn't wrestling that great, to be honest with you. He's getting injured, botching some stuff. It wasn't his best run, <laughs> you know, best works, to say the least. And here, I didn't think he looked that great, to be honest with you. Especially when Jay came in. I mean, I didn't sense a lot of good chemistry between them at all. And of anybody to work Jay's counter-heavy style, CM Punk may be near the very bottom of the list in wrestling of people who I think can pull that off well. And I, they didn't really tease anything with that. Basically, 
they had the moment with Joe, and we had this felt like a house show main event pretty much by the end. They did some stuff. Uh, Punk fired up with some pretty basic stuff <laughs> like here, like just some neck breakers and some clotheslines. Uh, they did a good spot where they actually did a version of FTR's Powerplex, which is obviously Power and Glory's move in the 80s. But they did the version that Punk hit an elbow off the top, which was cool. Uh, then things really got chaotic and things got really fun by the end. Even I have to admit that. They worked back to Joe and Punk facing off again. This was freaking awesome. And unfortunately, it turned into everybody interfering before we really got – or not unfortunately. It was actually smart <laughs> to do that this way where – uh, Punk fired up. A lot of this was building Joe up, too, in this match. There's spots where Joe hammered Punk and then with, with like, a chop or something to the chest. Punk would fire back, but Joe didn't sell it. And in the end, Punk started to get him in the corner with some knee strikes, some Muay Thai knees, and then Joe ended up locking in the Kina Clutch. But then everybody comes in, uh, and it leaves Juice in the ring all alone. They hit the big rig from FTR, then the GTS. Punk takes the victory over Juice, which I think pretty much everybody would have figured uh, if you are smart <laughs> to, to this. So he got the win. No big angle or anything like that. I saw a lot of people calling for Kenta with the Forbidden Torties, and I don't want to see that match at all. I think those are people who haven't seen Kenta wrestle in many years. And, yeah, all the energy in this match was between Punk and Joe. I don't want to say I told you so. But Jay White could not have come across more like just a guy than in this match. I mean, there was nothing there with him at any kind of main event spot. And Juice even less so. You know, I mean, they're just not a main event. They're just not main event acts, no matter how you dress them up. They're just not. Uh, you know, not on this roster and not without Gato there to, <laughs> to over push him incessantly. Without those things, I just don't see a future for them. My idea was that Punk and FTR would have a trios run. I think them winning the titles in All In, like they build to some segment. Maybe they could do something with Andrade in between. But let Punk and FTR win the trios titles. And here is my thinking of this. Because we saw it at the start of this promo on this show. Give them something to tease. If they have the titles, the fans are going to clamor more and more and more for the elite to challenge them. That's going to happen. And if the fans push for this more and more, because a lot of the elite fans right now, they just want Punk gone. Like, they don't want him around in AEW at all. But if you put the titles on them, that sentiment is going to turn even for them wanting a match, in my opinion. Drag it out. I'm not saying do it right away. I'm saying have them win the titles at All In. And then drag this out and drag it out and drag it out. And then at the start of next year, if you can do it, you do what you have to do to do it, in fact. Make it happen however you need to make it happen. That will, The fans will clamor for it so much that it would turn into just an explosion for the first time they all face off in the ring. That's something that shouldn't happen for at least three months. If Even if they all agree to, to work together, they still need to be – they need to be patient. And I don't know what this show is going to do numbers-wise. It's going to tell a big tale because if this does a huge number, 
let's just say the dream is that it beats Dynamite. That's going to change the narrative of this a lot. I think if it's a bad number, they can still say, oh, let's be patient. First ever episode, Saturday night, whatever excuse you want to make. They can still be patient. If it does a great number and beats Dynamite, then everybody is going to point to Punk as a legendary draw that's going to make Tony Khan look smart for standing by him so much, (laughs) despite many of the fans' wishes. And I think we have to wait until he gets out of Chicago to see how the fans react to him. I think that's a major, major issue with all of this, is that with the Chicago crowd being so on his side, that led to a lot of great things. How will they handle this in week two? How will they handle it a month from now? Because he's got to be on every show. The network called it. They've allegedly been paid a lot of money. We don't know the details of that at all. But he is very vital to the show. He has to be on the show every week, period. Whether it's wrestling or setting up a promo. There was no tease of a feud of any sort other than the Joe stuff. But they set the table so much. And if you listen to the interview with Tony Khan, again, I referenced earlier with Pollock and and Thurston. The one thing he actually did say was trying to put over, he really pushed the feud between Joe and Punk as this legendary deal. I think that legacy is big to a small number of fans. Like, their Ring of Honor feud was so long ago, and not that big even at the time. I think, if anything, just their characters in AEW will fuel this. And you have that history to draw from. But I think that that is going to be his first big mountain to climb, is Joe. But he's TV champion in Ring of Honor, and Punk is not going to be in Ring of Honor. I don't know if that means anything. I don't know if they even care about that, to be honest with you. But that feel, that felt like where they set up, but there was no big angle, no big tease of where they were going. And I think it was a mistake. That would be my one criticism. What is the hook for next week, at the end of the day? I mean, the wrestling on the show was solid outside of the Luchasaurus match. I mean, that was bad. But the other matches were both pretty good. Uh, you know, the women's tag match, the the Andrade and Buddy match, and the main event, they were all solid. And the main event, you could even say, was good. I mean, the crowd elevated it so much <laughs> that it's probably worth watching no matter what. But these weren't legendary matches or something that you couldn't... It's not like this beat Dynamite by leaps and bounds. Now, even if you're the type of fan that doesn't like the spot fest stuff, I don't think you got enough from this show that made you think, oh, this is real wrestling compared to that other stuff on Dynamite. I think they were missing that. But more so than that, even, I think they were missing a major angle or a hook next week. Give us a tease of something. I don't care who it is, like whoever they have planned or whatever they have planned for him, he is the head of this show, clearly. Give us a tease of what's next for him, even if it's just Joe attacking him afterwards, something generic like that. Or a promo battle, or hype it, say, next week, let's say have have Joe storm the desk that is at ringside, that is not, that he couldn't do on Dynamite. Storm the desk at ringside, get in their face, get in Kevin Kelly's face, grab the mic and say, next week, you and me, punk, we go face to face. 
and I'll be waiting for you. Something like that. I think this also puts a dent into Jay and Juice's title hopes for the tag titles. Um, but that could be something you see going forward. You know, Joe's kind of the singles guy. Jay and Juice are the tag guys. I don't know. I just, I think that they should get away from all of that for now. Drag this out for a little bit and focus on letting them be trios champions. Uh, you know, that would be my game, but they did give it a little bit. Another thing I think they should have mentioned more is the MJF st- stuff at the start. Have commentary tease that constantly say, Oh, we've got word for the back. MJF sent in a phone call. He'll be here next week on collision for the first time. He, or he might, he'll send a video in to respond to what CM Punk had to say. That was, I guess, kind of the big hook. But it was a, you know, I think they could have done a bit more. And like I said, that's another thing. If this show does an amazing rating, then I think he, you have to look at him winning that title from MJF at the end of the day. I think a lot of people have said to themselves that it's going to be this new guy that wins it, but that story has never been finished, MJF and Punk. And would it mean more to beat MJF or mean more to beat Punk as the champion? I don't think we can completely count that out. MJF hasn't exactly been doing gangbusters as champion. I mentioned it before, the double or nothing build sucked. Widely panned. The match was great. I mean, this match with Cole, I said it earlier, amazing match, but who's to say that it wouldn't mean more to beat Punk? If it does a bad rating, then obviously that may change some things again, but the great rating is what we're looking for to game change. If it's a normal rating or a low one, then I think that that won't really do a lot. If it's something spectacular, that's what we need to see. And I don't know what the expectations are. I do think, despite everything, despite all of his controversies and everything surrounding all this, it's it hasn't hurt his drawing power on social media, at least, because he's all anybody wants to talk about. And again, I'm not even a big fan of his, but I see him every day constantly on my feed. And I'm more known for the Japanese game, even at this point, but I still see his ass every day. So, yeah, Collision, that's really all I've got to say about that. I'm recording this right after the show, so let's see if there are any cage match ratings. Luchasaurus and Wardlow, 6.17. Andrade and Buddy, 8.12. A little high, in my opinion. I didn't think it was that great. Uh, the Miro, again, Miro match didn't get enough ratings for a vote of any sort. The women's match that didn't have enough ratings, uh, period, to make the match guide yet. But it will eventually. Probably by the time you listen to this, it'll always be up. The main event, 8.60. I'm surprised that that Andrade match got such a huge response. <laughs> That's a little bit surprising to me. We'll see if it changes as time co- goes along. It'll be interesting. But with that said, I think I've said enough about Collision now. The main thing to say is thank each and every one of you for listening. Please follow me on Twitter at Viva underscore zero. Tell me what you thought of the Collision debut. Tell me what you think about what's going on for Forbidden Door, Money in the Bank. It's all covered here. We appreciate every bit of support. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify. Give us five-star ratings if you think we deserve it, which we really hope we do. Hopefully there's going to be more stability going forward next week, and it's going to be a an even bigger and better wrestle update than it's been. Obviously, with the big shows coming up, you'd expect the same quality that we had on the last pay-per-view shows and PLE shows, which we really enjoyed. 
that thought I personally thought turned out very well. So hopefully you guys agreed. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. And for Ethan Black, I'm Dylan Fox. And until next week, this has been your Wrestle Update. Thank <laughs> you.